everyone, it's Catherine Colas here from simplyhormones.com and I'm here today talking to Jill Burgess who's a cancer screening coordinator um, for a local PCT and her speciality is breast, bowel and cervical cancer. And we're going to be talking to Jill this morning on cervical cancer to see if we can find out some more about it. So good morning to you, Jill. Morning. Good morning. Um, We're going to be talking about cervical cancer, and I think the first thing our listeners would like to know is, what is it exactly? Um, Well, uh, it's the most common uh, cancer affecting women in developing countries, Catherine, Um, and it's caused by a human papillomavirus, uh, which is an infection of the cervix. Um, It's associated with um, cellular changes, which can be detected early on um, under microscopic microscopic examination, uh, for example, the smear test. Mm. Um, HPV infection usually clears um, within a few months. Um, I think it's about 90% within two years. Um, The problem is it's persistent infection beyond 12 months, which is associated with the high risk of cervical cancer. Right. And who is most at risk? Um, it's transmissible merely in the in the younger age group. It's it's most you you find most of it in women under the age of thirty. Yeah. Um, but it's younger people that will pick up um, pick up this virus. It's a very transient virus. Right. Um, and it's it's it just goes from one to the other very very quickly. But like all viruses, they move on as well. It's it's those that, as I said earlier, persist yes. that, that create the problem of cervical cancer. Yes, that's and only a very small proportion will go on to develop the cancer as right. well. Yes, so it's um, still quite rare in a sense. Yes, the, the risk infection is soon after sexual activity begins. Right. Um, in some populations, there is another peak among women, actually, at the menopause in right. older women. Yes. Um, and although HPV is sexually transmitted, um, penetrative sex is not required for transmission. You know, oh, right. skin-to-skin, yeah. um, genital um, uh, connections, penile to vulva, for example, yes. uh, contact is well-recognized, uh, is a well-recognized mode of trans- uh, transmission. Right. Yeah, that throws so a different light on it, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And I've um, also... I think... Go on. Sorry. I think, I think that there's, there's some, some data was brought up a while back um, on age-specific prevalence of HPV, mm-hmm. um, suggesting that there's a pattern of infection uh, between regions and socioeconomic groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think, and also HIV-infected individuals are also at a higher risk of HPV infection. And, oh, right, um, yes. And... Um, and they are also, they can be infected by a broader range of HPV types. Yes. So, you know, if you've got, a, if you've got um, HIV, you've got a low immune system. Yes. And you're very sexually active with different partners, then you, you are at a much greater risk. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I've also, uh, continuing on risk, that I've read some research that says the pill could increase the risk. Do you have a view on yes. this? 
Yeah, there is. There are risks. There are risks um, risk with the pill. It is actually one of the contributing factors, um, alongside of um, having, uh, you know, a lot of children. Yes. Uh, the early age of the first um, sexual activity, um, cigarette smoking is another huge yes. factor. Mm. Um, and long-term use of the pill. You're absolutely right. Is, is another, it's just it's, it is another risk. Yes. Along with um, co-infections like chlamydia, um, because yeah. persistent infection, again, you know, it, this is the risk factor. Yes. yes. Um, and the peak, the peak prevalence of, of, of the, the, the infection is, is in women under the age of 30. Mm. And as I said earlier, those that are actually over the age of 50 going through the menopause. Yes. So uh, you, but, say, you say long-term use of the pill. What would you describe as long term well i mean they, they won't they won't give the pill to obese women no. or or women who are over the age of 35 or women that smoke yes. because there are risk factors involved yes um but to me the pill is is a better scenario than getting pregnant because pregnancy is the biggest risk factor of all yes so, um, mm. yeah, the pill is, is a contraindication, a slight one. Yes. But, but then so is smoking. And, you That's know, I right. Think smoking is, is, is a huge risk. Yes, yes, yeah. And it's better to stop smoking. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's all relative, isn't it? You've just got to take a balanced view. Of, yeah, of, yeah. Because I all drugs, so. all drugs have side effects of some kind or yeah, another, um, yeah. and you've just got to work out whether the benefits are greater yeah. than the risks. Yeah, I yeah. think I think you and I think you've got to if you put somebody on the pill, you've got to look at their risk factors. Yes. You know, you can ask the question about sexual activity. I don't know whether I would, but yes. It's looking at that. If you get a girl in that wants to go on the combined or contraception, and she is a smoker. Mm. And you can talk sexual history to her. You could say, well, actually, the pill is a risk factor. And you yes. could offer other alternative methods of contraception. Yes, yeah, that's so good. There is a way around it. Yes, yeah. But, but, but as you said, you know, quite rightly, smoking is what we need to get rid of first and foremost. Yes, that, that's a killer for everything, isn't yeah, it, really? it is, yeah. yeah. big no-no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just touching again on the, the over 50 age group, which is, of course, what I fall into, and postmenopausal women. I, I, think, um, I don't think women of that age group fully understand why they have suddenly become vulnerable. And, of, of course, it's because the divorce rate is now much higher within that age group. So, of course, they're yeah. changing partners. And yeah, that's absolutely right, yes, Catherine. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. And to the same risk. I think it's... Um, I think you've got to look at the screening and, and the, the risk factors to women, you know, over the age of 50 and, and then tailor the screening program, actually, to their individual needs. Yes. Um, and, yeah, you know, it is, it is all about um, the divorce rates and women becoming more sexually active. You know, we're, women today have a lot more sexual freedom. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that they, they're, they're, they're very happy to have much, much fuller and richer lives than, yes, than yeah. our previous generations did. Yes. So, um, yeah, so just when they, they thought they could um, throw the whole thing wide open, say, oh, yippee, now, you know, we're yeah. no risk of pregnancy and all the rest of it, all yeah. of a sudden, 
they've still yeah. got to be careful of, of who yeah. they have um, sexual relations with because this is a sexually transmitted disease, as we've already discussed. Yeah, and of course, the, the, another consideration, of course, is, is, is that men are also becoming more sexually active. You know, men again. We're not. We're not taking the con- in, taking into consideration what the men are doing as well. No, no. Um, because you know, men have got more money at retirement age, haven't they? Yes. And you know, yeah. they're they're meeting older women, and so that's something else that we need to be thinking about. Yes. Really. Yes. Uh, you know, should we? What uh, sort of? You know, what age should we stop doing cervical screening? Because yes. if we, um, you know, if we stop. Should we extend it into the older age group? I know that some research has been done on that in the last couple of years, mm. um, but but that again comes with its own little set of risks because if you start taking smears on women that are over age 65, um, if you extended it, you've then got the problem of it's difficult sometimes to take a smear from a woman who's yes. over 65 because. Um, you know, she's got, uh, there's, a, there's a risk of vaginal atrophy, and then you're going into a whole new world, aren't you? Yes, yes. Um, I'll, I'll just explain to our listeners just a, a bit about that. That's mm. vaginal dryness, and I've, I've got a, yeah. uh, I'm always standing on my soapbox about this, as, as you know, Jill. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's, it's not really addressed properly in the doctor's surgery if the women, oh. women ever get that far, because it's such an embarrassing subject, it's yeah, usually absolutely. when they go for a, um, a cervical smear that the problem arises because the, the swab can't take the, um, the, 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 the test. It can can't it take the test, that's yeah. right, yes. Okay, yeah. but uh, touching right. on that, uh, the screening program, there is a national screening program in place for cervical cancer. Um, yeah. So it, there, it sounds to me like there's a fixed age group at the moment, is there? There is, yes, it's, it's 25 to 65. Right, um, oh, it's quite broad and, and then, yeah. It is, yeah, we, we stopped screening under 25 uh, five years ago, although there are a lot of, there is some controversy about it. Because yes. Um, girls, you know, if they've had early sexual relations and they've had a, a few partners, they feel that they ought to have a screening test done. Yes. And there, it is, you know, it is. It can be quite controversial, and it took us a long time to get over to people that, you know, this is a screening program. It's not a diagnostic test. Yes. And, yeah. And so we have to be looking at signs and symptoms and I see many girls in my clinic saying to me you know please Joe, can we just have please do the smear test but mm. I'm a great believer in educating women and so yes. I spend a lot of time showing them pictures and demonstrating exactly why we're doing it what we're doing mm. and what the outcome is yes and if they've got symptoms then we look at why yeah. you know have they why have they got bleeding in between periods well they might have um, another infection mm. it might be that they've missed a pill or the pill packet's out of sync yes there are different reasons so you would then refer these women to the GUM clinics or the GP where they can take swabs from these women yes. to test for sexually transmitted infection yes yeah. um, and that has to be ruled out it's not, you know, the answer is not to, to get a woman in the 22 and start taking a smear no. test. No, yes, and, and I think it, 
Yeah, it comes back to that this this uh, where we are in society at the moment that we yeah. rush off to the doctor as soon as something's yeah. wrong and and yeah. ask for a magic pill. And that's we've, right. we've just got that, to recognise right. our own bodies yeah. more, understand yeah. what's going on, yeah. and I with mean, your people like you teaching us hmm. how to recognise things and what we can yeah. do about it. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, the, the cervix doesn't actually mature until the girl is probably 20 to 21. Oh, so right. if, you start, yeah. if, you ta- if you start taking smear tests under that age, you will automatically get an abnormal smear result yes. in most cases. Yeah. So it's not helpful, so, is it? And it's not helpful, helpful at all. It creates huge amounts of anxiety. Mm. Um, you know, within the girl and, and, the, and the mother or the parents or the, you know, whatever. It's mm. a really difficult situation sometimes, yes. but it's educating people. It is all about that yeah. and lots of explanation. Can, Jill, can you describe to us what actually happens in a smear test? Uh, they're called up for a smear test. They go along to the clinic for their appointment, and I know lots of girls might be, and women, might be very nervous about what's going to yeah. happen next. Yes, yeah. There's... Um, I, I, I uh, opened my own psychology clinic, it's a women's health clinic, mm-hmm. almost eight years ago as an alternative to a GP. And the reason I talk about that is because I worked in a nurse-led scenario um, on a huge housing estate um, looking after many, many single women and their children. And one of the, re- one of the things I found was that the, the women were never having their smear tests done because they were mm. so terrified of this um, right. smear test yeah. and it could have been due to um, child abuse or rape or yeah. domestic violence whatever yes and these women were not coming for smears and I was very agitated by that because mm. I couldn't understand what the problems were yes so I, I was hell-bent on educating them and then Several years later, I was given this wonderful opportunity. I put in a business plan to my PCT and said, let me have an alternative to a GP practice. Mm. So I opened my own clinic, and I went off and did a psychosexual uh, training in London. Yeah. And, um, and I was able to recognize why these women don't want to have their smears. And as I said earlier, mm. it's all based on fear yes. and lack of uh, understanding. So what my clinic offers them is time and a bit of comfort, and we have long chats. And if they come and they're terrified, I can t- it can take up to something like four to six sessions to right. take the smear. But we find out what the problem is. Yes. So when they arrive, providing it's a nice normal scenario, and mm. women arrive for their smear, you explain the procedure. You look. You do a sexual history. Mm-hmm. You talk about their menstrual cycle, the, the children that they have. You talk about um, what contraception they're using. Yeah. And I always ask the question: Do you know why we take the smear? Mm-hmm. And 90% of them will say, "Well, it's a test for cancer." Right. But of course, it isn't a test for cancer. It's a screening program. And then I will bring out my little pictures. I'm a great one for pictures. <laughs> yeah. And show them where I'm taking the smear from, mm-hmm. what's happening at that little corner, mm-hmm. and what the results are likely to be. Yes. And then I'll explain that they'll have a letter from me or their GP or the program very quickly to tell them what the result is. Yes. 
I show them where they have to lie. It's all very private, confidential. Yes. Um, and then the smear is taken. Yeah. And it's a very easy insertion of a speculum. Mm -hmm. And then we just quietly take cells using a very soft brush. And um, the, the cells are put into a pot, and then they are sent off to the laboratory. Yes. And it, it's a great opportunity for women to discuss all areas of their sexual life if they want to. Yes, yes. Uh, anything yeah. they're unsure about. Yeah. So I, I think that's very helpful, Jill, because I think so many women think that when you're going for the cervical smear, as you said, we think it's... Um, to see if we've got cancer or not but you're just testing for abnormal cells and when you find yeah. those abnormal cells you can take action to clear those yeah. abnormal cells it's not yes, that's cancer right. yes yeah. I, I always align it I always say to women um, if you found a lump either in your breast or your nose or your ear or wherever you'd go and show somebody yes. but down there you can't see a damn thing no. You know, you can't see anything, so we take cells to have a look at what the changes might be. Yes. Um, it's a screening program. It's excellent. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, well it worth is. doing. Yes. Mm. And, and, so you, and you've also explained in there that you do get, pe do you get people that don't turn up for their appointments. And, um, oh, yes. The, the, the DNA rate uh, in my clinic is pretty high, actually. Yeah. So we, we, minimize, we have shortened appointments. But women get very fearful. Of course, mm. if women have got their period, then they... Mm. It's not useful to take it then. So, yes. and you can't take a smear um, on anybody who's if they've just had a baby. You have to wait till they're three months postnatal, right? Um, mm. Because hormones need to go back. Yes. But culturally, um, women don't agree with it. There are certain cultures that don't think it's a good idea, and of course, really? many cultures are not sexually active, mm. um, and you know. Don't, don't want to have smears and we have to recognize that you know as professionals it, it is a screening program it's, yes. it's, it's patient choice isn't it yes yes um, and That's it's right. about recognizing that the opportunity is there and if you want to take it you can yes so yeah. professionals have to be very careful that we're not forcing the issue if you understand what I mean yes yes quite but it's in your own best interest to, to take part really isn't yeah. it it's, yeah that's yeah. right yeah. yeah absolutely yes and um, finally Jill you've mentioned the, the HPV the human papillova virus um, as being a major cause of cervical cancer would you like yeah. to say something about the vaccination that is now available and how um, it helps etc Yes, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it, was, it came out about 2007, 2008, I think. Mm -hmm. There were two types of vaccine. As we said earlier, one of them looked at four different types of virus and the other one two. Mm -hmm. um, and we chose Gardasil, which is, um, sorry, sorry, I've got that wrong. We chose Cervex because um, although it covers two viruses, it was the one that had the, the longest evidence from America. It's right. now up to eight years. Yes. Uh, whereas the Gardasil didn't have the amount of evidence. Uh, a lot of people thought it was about costing which one we would yes. use. Yes, yeah. But in fact, it, it wasn't. It was just that the, the, the Cervex um, had uh, a longer um, evidence-based um, yes. against it. 
in America, so that was why it was chosen. Yes. Um, it's actually it's given to um, it's given to young to young girls between the ages of twelve and thirteen, yes. and they get three doses over a six month period. Um, they're, they're constantly looking up all the information on this virus. You know, the evidence goes on um, yes. all the time in America. Mm. Um, what else can I say about that? I just, um, well, I think I'd like to add in there, if, if um, the girls miss that vaccination at 12 or 13, um, is it recommended that they have it later on, or what happens then? Yeah, they, they, they can. They can have. They can have catch upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was. It was. It was recognised. I'm sure that it was not cost effective to run a national vaccination program for women over the age of 18. Right. Yeah. Um, this is because as soon as a woman has started her sexual life, she is at risk of catching the virus anyway. Yes. Um, and, ha- and women not covered by the vaccination program will still be invited to be screened routinely yes. um, as part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, tests um, for HPV vaccination exist, uh, but these are primarily used for research purposes um, and not normally available on the, on the NHS. But I-, I know that there's a lot of work being carried out on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I also think another key area there is what you've just said. The, those girls that are invited for um, vaccination at 12, age 12 and 13 are also will also be on the screening program at the relative time later on. It doesn't yeah. mean just because they've had the vaccination they don't need screening anymore. I think that's very no, important too, isn't no, it? They yeah, that's absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, it, it, it's... it's it's my granddaughters that will be the beneficiaries. I feel of all of this. Yes. It's not. It's not something that. Um, yes. It's not going to be immediate. It doesn't mean to say that we're going to stop taking smears because no. of the vaccine. Yes. Um, but but it, the, the the marvelous bonus for me is that it's the first vaccine against cancer. Yes. And that's got to be a real bonus, hasn't it? it definitely, yes. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Something that can really help. And yes. Um, yes. yes. And my last, my very last question to you today, mm. Jill, is to do with sexual discrimination. The right. HPV virus, as we know, is a sexually transmitted infection. Yeah. And it seems to me that what's good for the gander is good for the goose. So why aren't right. the boys in on the vaccine program? Um, well, I think the thing to remember is that the, there's, because it's a relatively new vaccine, there's insufficient evidence to know what would happen to boys. There's right. also a cost issue as well. But also vaccinating the girls will also reduce the transmission to the boys, won't right. it? Yes. So there is, that, there is that school of thought. Yes. And this should lead to the reduction in rarer forms of cancer caused by HPV um, in both boys and girls. Yes. So I think of all of this, cost is, 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 is the thing. Yeah. Um, but I think we're still waiting for lots of, you know, I, I'm sure that in America they'd love to vaccinate the boys. Yes. Uh, and yes, if it goes out there, it'll probably come over here. But at this point in time, it's still very new mm. and we're still learning a lot. Yes. Uh, but you're quite right, you know, as far as sex discrimination, you know, why not? That's, 
Perhaps yes. we should have given it to the boys first. Yes, yeah. I, I'm listening to you speaking. Perhaps the boys need a slightly different vaccine because, of course, they don't have the same hormone structure no, as girls. No, that's so right. It may yeah. be a whole different ball game for them altogether. Yeah, that's right. But, but certainly, you know, vaccinating the girls will um, it, it will reduce yes. um, the rarer forms of cancer, which yes. is is the big bonus, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. That's, yeah. uh, thank you so much for that, Jill. Uh, we've covered Pleasure. so much today, and, and I think I must just reinforce um, t- to tell everybody to turn up for their uh, cervical smear when they're called yeah. forward. Yeah. And, I, I uh, have a very good motto, actually, you know, never fear to have a smear. <laughs> I no, like that. Yeah, it's not, um, you know, it's not as painful as people think. It's no. just, but it is about looking after yourself. Yes. And, um, it's and, very and not important. worrying unnecessarily. That's right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jill. Thank you, and, Catherine. Um, thank you. It's just been brilliant speaking to you, and, I, and I'm sure that this information that we've discussed this morning will be of help to a lot of women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast interview with Jill Burgess on cervical cancer. Don't forget there are over 200 pages of information on hormonal health to be found at simplyhormones.com. You may be experiencing PMS at the moment and want to know when and how symptoms are going to affect you at perimenopause, which commences around the age of 35 to 45. Yep, that's right. It doesn't happen at 50, you know. So how will your journey be and how can you reduce the effect of debilitating symptoms? It's all there on the website. A little knowledge goes a long way. See you again soon. This is Catherine Colas for simplyhormones.com, signing off.